The League of Legends betting podcast is brought to you by my patrons at patreon.com slash LOL. There you can find bonus content like in-depth articles on macro trend analysis and league previews, as well as thoughts on breaking news and the podcast picks before the show is released to platforms. You also get to support your creators more directly. Patreon.com slash LOL. That's G-E-L-A-T-I-L-O-L. All right, recapping the action Friday morning in the LCK and in the LEC on Friday afternoon. I'm recording this at about 10 after 4, Friday afternoon. Got absolutely crucified in the LCK today. Um, oof, just, I mean, these are going to happen. It's not a huge deal. It's a, like I said, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but almost a five-unit down day in the LCK. We whiffed on every, every bet except for the first map towers under which was at minus 189 yeah not good bad day to be playing overs when every team there was like a Senna in every game in the lck and the teams just were playing really really cowardly most of the day noxium got rolled over a little too hard to get this over home they needed like one more fight in both of those games uh, i guess we'll start with that one uh we're, we're starting to see a bit of a pattern develop where on 14.2 in the LEC, more so than the other leagues, which we already saw in this patch, uh, the LCK is really kind of just abusing red side counterpick. Or just like bot lane counterpick. You can counterpick from, from blue as well if they don't pick it first, but or if they pick first. But we're seeing teams like kind of... Like right now, the consensus best blind that's like not banned out in most games is Lucian Milio. And it is a good like blind lane for the most part, but there are specific things that can really, really give it trouble. And we're seeing Ash become a resurgent pick that's warping a lot of things in draft for teams. Like, so we end up seeing a lot of like teams banning the Senna, blind picking Lucian Milio, and then leaving Ash plus whatever else is up. Sometimes it's Varus, sometimes it's Jin, sometimes it's Draven or Callista or you know Caitlyn. There's a whole number of things, and the consistent thing that's happening with all of these things is that it just lets like like the Lucian Milio lane just gets shoved in and if it's not Lucian Milio it's usually something else just gets completely destroyed by whatever sometimes it's like Varus Tom Kench or you know whatever else is up but like it just gets completely shoved in by these Ash plus X lanes and your bot lane has no control when your bot lane has no control you have no control over the dragons and if you do what a lot of teams are doing, and you draft a bot lane that's going to get shoved in, and then a mid lane that's looking to scale that doesn't get prio, like a Kali, or um, if you're if you're matching 50-50 matchup like Azir versus Oriana, and your bot lane's not going to have any agency over the game, it just leaves very little in control of the jungler's hands. And you know, coincidentally, a lot of these teams are ending up with Cassante as well. So like, we end up with a lot of games where it's just like Cassante top, who's beating pretty much everything right now. And then an Ash plus X bottom lane, so they win like they win bottom lane. They have the Cassante scaling, and then mids usually 50-50 are being shoved as well. And there's just so many games right now that are that have been like this week specifically. You know, we're only three days in, but we've seen six series, and that's been like the consensus thing since we've come back from the break. Is the team that gets those things wins, regardless. And that's just been like these games have not been close. They've games that have been over before they even start and we just saw two more of them today Nongshim versus KT um yeah they they both these games were before they started Nongshim didn't have a shot in either of these Kwangdang against Firex was a pretty competitive series little back and forth again teams abusing those bottom lanes 
Quantum actually looked really, really, really good in his debut series. He was subbing in for Andal, who got subbed out due to illness. Apparently, he was at like a fan meet and greet and had to leave early. He was not feeling well, and he's in the hospital. Hopefully, he's okay. Um, we'll see. Got to see the first Garen in LCK history, which is kind of incredible when you think about the fact that that champion's been more or less out since the beginning of the game. <laughs> and we have never once, not a single time, seen him in the LCK. Even when there was like a Garen, Garen Yumi meta, it, it's it's pretty crazy. So, yeah, he's the the only non twenty twenty three on champion that's that has never been played in the LCK until today. So, we've had everything. I think we've had everything besides Briar has been played in the LCK, if I remember correctly. Maybe Nefiri. I forget if Nefiri has been played or not, but yeah, pretty wild. Dong did get the 2-0 win in the or 2-1 win in this one eventually. Um it was a good series. I think both teams played pretty well. Moving on to Friday afternoon, we had an absolute brawl between Fnatic and Mad Lions. This was an awesome series. Really, really impressive series from both really I'm gonna I'll just cut to the the meat of this. And this was a really, really impressive from like series from Mad Lions. Um, we bet the map one and map two money line, hoping to take one of the first two maps. That was the angle we took on this, and we got there with one of them netted, you know, forty-one cents on two dollars, so to speak. Um, game by game basis, it was weird. So the series was competitive. It went to five games, like I thought it was going to. But on a game to game basis, this was like the complete opposite of what I expected. I thought this was going to be like a fire and ice series, like I discussed yesterday or this morning, rather. I thought it would be a rock, paper, scissors type thing where Mad are trying to go underneath Fnatic scaling and Fnatic will either get, like, stall it out or they don't. Mad, at, Mad Lions actually just said, we'll match, your, match you in scaling and we'll just out macro you. And I think that was, like, their, their game plan in this, which was an interesting game plan, but just not what I would have expected. And I think it's interesting when you have teams that play more for scaling, like Fnatic have tended to, you see teams like Hanwha Life do this sort of thing a lot too. When you have teams that do that, you can go underneath them. The other thing you can do is to just match their scaling or go over the top with it. Uh, just to use like a card game analogy, card games, you can play like aggro decks, like mid-range decks, you can play control decks, you can play combo decks. There's all sorts of different stuff, but like most generically good stuff is like a mid-range deck. And I think most League of Legends comps try to be a mid, like a mid-game or a mid-range type of composition. The way you beat that is to either go underneath it or go way over the top of it and just go bigger and better. And that's kind of like the approach the Mad Lions took in this game, or in this series rather. I don't want to call it brazen. But this was a pretty ambitious game plan from a, a Mad Lions team that's very inexperienced. And this was their first best of five for four of these players. Well, first best of five in the LEC anyway. Against a very experienced Fnatic team. And they were like, listen, we're going to beat you at your own game. And they did. Um, they were very sound, very calm under pressure. It was just a really impressive series. Like, you know, And, and it's cool because we saw a handful of... Um, it, it, it was an interesting series because we saw them play just straight up good power picks type stuff in the first game. And then we also saw them play, you know, the stuff that we've come to know Mad Lions for, like the cheesy stuff, like in game three, where we got to see like the top Varus with Ivern and a mid Gragas, which was a pretty wild and interesting pick for the, uh, to deal with the Huey from Fnatic. Really, we, we got a little bit of everything from Mad Lions in this series. Now, with all this said, game five probably should have gone to Fnatic and this probably should have been a 3-2 win for Fnatic, 
And even if that happened, I would have been very impressed with Mad Lions. Um, game five probably should have gone to Fnatic. They were up like, I think it was like 4,400 gold pretty early on. They had a pretty substantial lead. And they made one really bad positioning error. It looked like they were trying to pull some kind of like pincer maneuver off. And Mad Lions, instead of like feeling trapped, they were just like, all right, we're just going to bull rush the mid inhibitor. So they bull rush the mid inhibitor, got the inhibitor, started backing out. Fnatic committed because they were like, all right, well, we're pot committed at this point. And that's how they thought anyway. Took the fight. Um, Mad Lions won the fight. Played it really patiently, kited it out, waited for the perfect time. For Scowie had a great, great Azir ultimate in this one. Um, and they ended up just winning the game, like, on the spot. Like, they just won it right there. They were down huge, just won one fight and turned it. And, you know, it's wild for a squad like this. El- the funny thing is, El Yoya, the experienced one, was the one that made the big error that got Fnatic the huge lead to begin with. The rest of the team remained calm under pressure, and they ended up, just somehow winning this game. It was it was honestly I can't say enough about how impressed I am with Mad Lions. Like even if they lost this series, I would have been really impressed with how they purported themselves in this match. Um just really, really cool to see from such a, a young team. All right, moving on to the Saturday LCK slate. Uh again, just a heads up UDFS players and for others that need to know this before lock or for the slate starts, this is a one AM Eastern start time, starts two hours earlier on the weekends. So keep that in mind. First match is a good one. We have Hanwha Life Esports, plus 170 on the money line, plus 1.5 maps at minus 185, minus 1.5 at plus 441 against Gen G, minus 210 on the money line, minus 1.5 maps, plus 151, plus 1.5 at minus 625. So this is a doozy of a matchup, but the fact is, like, this is a pretty straight-up handicap. Hanwha Life are your classic gatekeeper team. They are, like, maybe the cleanest definition of a gatekeeper team that I've ever seen. And they were like that last year, and it seems to be the case again this year. This team does not lose to teams worse than them. They might drop a game like once in a blue moon, but they do not lose to teams that are worse than them. They also never beat the teams that are better than them, almost never. Uh, I think they got one match the entirety of last year against an elite team. Um, they just there's a reason for this too. This is not just like this is not just like looking at results and pointing at like pointing at it and being like, oh, this is correlation, right? There's a reason for this. Like, there's a qualitative reason for it, not just the, not just the results here. The way Hama Life play, they basically, they play to catch unforced errors from their opponent, right? Can't really think of, like, a, a, a real sports example, but it would be kind of like a, they're like a pure counterpunching team, basically. Um, think of, like, a boxer that never does anything aggressive they just they just wait and counter wait and counter um and for this reason they're very very good against the even like the good but not great teams they're very very good against like the middle of the table and lower because the middle of the table and lower make mistakes and they're very very good at capitalizing on mistakes they they kind of just they're like a like a snake that's like waiting to strike you know they just kind of chill there and chill there and wait and wait and wait for the right time to strike and then they go right thing is if your opponent never gives them like never opens themselves up to to being attacked or being ambushed by something or they just don't make a critical error the way Hama life play they just will let you win like they don't they, they rarely ever actually like take a shot at something you know they'll I mean they're they're smart enough and experienced enough players to know when they're behind in a game and take a shot at something when they're losing but it's usually far too late by the time that they do what ends up happening is like they they 
kind of beat up on these bad teams because they play very fundamentally sound. The only thing that they don't do fundamentally well is create and engineer their own advantages. They, they Again, they just wait for teams to screw up on them and then take advantage of that. But if the good teams don't screw up, then they just lose. And that's what's happened in almost every single matchup that they've played against the good teams. The ones that they have won have been weird off series by the good team. And I'm not just saying this because I'm biased. Like, like A lot of people think I hate Hama Life Esports. I, I'll be honest, I kind of do. Like, I, I have an issue because the players on this team are immensely talented, and I think the coaching staff is wasting them with how they coach this team up. I don't hate the players. I don't really hate the team either. I just think the coaching staff is doing a terrible job with it, and I think that they could be doing a lot better with this team. But with that said, the other side of the equation here is Gen G. Now, Gen G are one of the two elite teams. I think there's a case to be made that, I mean, they, they're coming off of that stunning loss, 0-2 loss to KT Rolster coming off the break. Uh, I talked about it in the recap for that one. I think that was more of a elevated performance from KT. I think in my Patreon article, I called it like a 95th percentile performance. They got two games that were like 95th percentile games from KT Rolster. And as we talked about with that team, they either are playing toward the upper end of the range or the lower end of the range. And there's not a whole lot of middle ground, right? So I think like to me, I chalk that series up as more as an of an elite KT performance than like a particularly bad one from Gen G. They didn't make a whole lot of mistakes in this series. They just got they got outplayed in the little tiny skirmishes that happened. And, you know, the the small margin plays that could have gone either way, they just happened to lose them all yet the other day, and that was that. So props KT. I still think Gen G are one of the best teams in the league, and I think this is just an elite team against Hama Life Esports, and as long as the price isn't ludicrous, you just pay it. Like, this is, this is one of those handicaps where I, I more or less throw the numbers out and I'm just ignoring them because, like, I've just seen this enough before. And until Hamwa prove otherwise and prove to me that they can beat these good teams or can prove to me that they can engineer their own advantages instead of waiting for mistakes to happen, then I'll maybe adjust. If they can prove that to me, then I think this team's legit going to be really good. But until they do, it's it's I'll pay to say it. So I play Genji on the money line, minus 210 for one unit, and Genji minus 1.5 maps, so plus 151 for 0.25 units. No derivative plays in this one, although the models actually like kill total overs quite a bit because you're getting reduced uh, reduced juice on the 23.5, which you can get at plus 104. Uh, also like first bloods, Hama have a really, really high first blood rate. It's like 66%, uh, two-thirds of their games, and Genji are sub 40%. So uh, if you want to play the Hama first blood at minus 105 on at least one of these maps, maybe two, then go for it. But I just passed. Next up, we have D plus Kia minus 688 on the money line, minus 1.5 maps at minus 154 against DRX plus 478 on the money line, plus 1.5 maps, plus 127, minus 1.5 at plus 1024. So um, one of the main storylines that's happening in the LCK this season is the struggles of D plus Kia. Um, this team, this roster should be doing a lot better than this. this is a team that I have futures positions on before the season. Um, one thing I will mention is like I didn't anticipate them starting well. And I kind of thought this would be like a slow grower kind of a team. And um, I got kind of juked by the the good start that we saw from Lucid and Showmaker. Like, Lucid was the big question mark to me on this team. Like, how Lucid and Showmaker were going to work together. And they had a really, really good start to the season. So I was like, oh, well, they're just ahead of schedule. And it turns out um, this team has other issues. Now, that in mind, I do think that they've had a couple really, really unfortunate results. They've had a couple bad drafts. Um, they lost KT before the break, and then just kind of like they just lost game one against T1 earlier this week before it even started. And, you know, just like that, 
we have a team that's got two match wins. It's pretty wild seeing this roster with two match wins, and I think a lot of people are like sounding the alarms and talking all doom and gloom and everything. But I got to tell you guys, like, you look at the numbers for this team, you look at the actual performances for this team. This isn't a this isn't a two win team. They've they've gotten extraordinarily. I don't. It's not all luck because they've played pretty badly in some of these series as well. But this team is straight up better than this. Like you, you don't need to be a data scientist looking at all the weird or you you don't got to be a total nerd for this shit looking at all the numbers like I'm looking at them and and breaking down agnostic economy and all this yada 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 to tell like this is a better team than two wins like it just is and there's times where like no a team really is just bad and it's just name brand value that's not good no if you like watch this team play they're they're much better than this they've just the results haven't happened so looking at their most recent match again against T1 on Wednesday the game one they lost before it even started with the just the bad draft, the Pike was just a shitty, shitty pick. I talked ad nauseum about that. Game two, they were actually pretty competitive. They had a lead, and, or they never really had a lead, but they they jumped out. They had it was like a seven kill advantage. The goal was still even though, which was a problem. But T one are also extraordinarily good. You know who is not extraordinarily good? DRX. DRX are not extraordinarily good. They are in that dumpster fire tier of teams, and you know, I, I don't normally like overpaying. I try not to overpay for favorites that often, but I really just don't see D plus losing this series. I, I I'm not I'm gonna half stake this, but I'm playing D plus minus one point five mass at minus one fifty four. The models obviously make this much closer because D plus have been kind of getting their shit kicked in. But it you know, it's funny. I say that, but if you like look at it if you look at their numbers, D plus are actually like they're like middle of the table in agnostic economy. They're like fifth, I think sixth in differential. Uh, just below the zero mark. And if you consider, like, their game record right now. One second. Their game record right now is 6-10. and 10. So, you know, they're minus four differential and win-loss. And they still have an above average. I guess it's, like, basically the average. They still have an above average agnostic economy. They have a better agnostic economy than KT Rolster does, by the way. Like, I just want to, I, I want people to know that. It's not It's not better. It's about the same. It's It's pretty close to the same. So the only difference is KT, the KT are plus eight and wins and D plus are minus four. So I think there's probably some regression both ways there. Like I think KT are probably going to end up coming back down to earth a little bit. I think they've high rolled. We'll see. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. I've talked about that a lot already. But anyway, D plus, I am, I am almost certain this team is just low rolling right now and they're way, way better than this. Um, and I think they're going to – I mean, we've already seen – their two match wins, they dumpster-fired the bad teams. And that's – or they, they dumpstered the dumpster-fire teams. That's what I meant to say. And I think they're just going to – they're just going to shit-stomp DRX. So I I hate overpaying for it, so I'm going to stake down because of the price. But I'm paying I'm – pay, I'm laying minus 154 for D-plus to go 2-0 in this series for half a unit. That's going to be it for this show. I'll be actually releasing a second podcast and um, updating the Patreon post later on tonight, uh, probably into the early hours of Saturday morning, figure somewhere around 1230, 1 o'clock in the morning, give or take. Um, I have to get some data input, and I'm actually, like I said, going out to a show tonight, uh, dinner and a show with some family. So I will uh, have a show out sometime early Saturday morning for the LEC slate on Saturday. And I think I misspoke on yesterday's podcast. Somebody messaged me. He was like, yo, there's no LCS this week. I know there's no LCS this week. I think it was just muscle memory that was saying it. So um, I'll be back tomorrow with I'll – be, I'll be back later on tonight slash tomorrow with an LEC show, and then I'll also have LPL 
which starts back up on Sunday. We have a three-match slate on Sunday. So we'll have a five-gamer on Sunday morning with the fifth day in the LCK and the first day of the eight-day week in the LPL coming back off Lunar New Year. Good luck, and I will see you then.